This is Drive Time Prop, 30 minutes of jam-packed, up-to-the-minute news from a perspective of truth, liberty, and justice every weekday. This is Monica Perez. And I'm Brad Binkley. The top story today, Dorian, was it a nothing burger? Thank God Savannah was spared the worst. However, it does seem like the people in the Carolinas are getting pummeled a bit. 250,000 people are out of power. And some areas of historic Main Street do seem to have up to a foot of water. So I'm sure those people aren't happy. But I haven't heard anything as extreme as the stuff that will drive people to terror. And uh, I don't know. I mean, it just feels like there's a lot of scaremongering going down on the hurricane front. Oh, you think so? (laughs) You know what I learned? Six hours or seven hours of CNN Hurricane Dorian caused by climate change, the greatest existential threat facing the world. Everything we talked about yesterday is exactly what they talked about on this CNN thing. A couple examples of the appeals that were made. Kamala Harris appealed to the straws. Get rid of all the straws so there's no more straws and turtles. That makes me mad. I have to tell you why that makes me absolutely crazy is that plastic water bottles are actually – what you're drinking out right now – are actually bad for you because the water, especially that cheap, real crushable plastic, the water absorbs that stuff. And I believe it's the plastics that contribute to free radicals, which blow up your cells, make them necrotize instead of whatever, apoptize, something like that. They're bad for you. Whereas a straw passes through your food like for an instant. It's not getting hot in the back of your car, and it is not anywhere near as much of a pollutant in the oceans as the straws are. Now you got me paranoid about drinking out of this plastic yeah, I don't bottle do it. of water. I don't, and I don't put, I, I have a friend of mine who's a cancer survivor, and she like, her and her husband were just horrified when they saw that I put plastic in the microwave. They're like, that's death. Don't do that. And then I had other friends who were horrified that I didn't put my phone in airplane mode when I was sleeping. Yeah, so, I don't put I don't plastic know. in the microwave. And they, I think that's they, good they, advice. Oh, yeah. So anyway, that's what they say about that. A couple of the other appeals, population control appeal made by Bernie Sanders. Mayor Pete made the appeal basically that God hates climate change and is probably a sin, which the ladies of The View really just loved. They fell to, <laughs> fell to the floor over. And Joe Biden appeared on Stephen Colbert's show yesterday, and he was asked by Colbert – who is helping the public understand that Joe Biden doesn't lie because he speaks greater truths even when he's lying. He asked Joe Biden, are you nuts because of all your (laughs) gas? And Joe Biden quipped back with, you know, appearing here on the Jimmy Fallon show, the joke. Oh, that's hilarious. Yeah, that was Uh, clearly a stage thing there. Yes, obviously. Everybody laughs their way into lie to us all you want, Joe. Lie to us all you want. Right, and I'm glad that you can just ask somebody if they're crazy. That solves my whole red flag problem. Because when they come to your door to get your guns, you can just say, oh, I'm sorry, I'm not crazy. There you go. So (laughs) There you go. CNN's seven hours of climate hysteria, fear-mongering, it was exactly what we thought it would be. Well, that's funny that the guy said it was Mayor Pete, whose name makes me uncomfortable. Yeah, me too. (laughs) There are just so many ways to pronounce it that make me uncomfortable that I can't say. I'm glad they call him Mayor Pete. But the sin thing is interesting because environmentalism smacks of religion. Mm -hmm. And it's this idea that 
I remember from when I was, I, I was observing that the, it, I went to the Inca Inti Raimi Festival in Peru for the summer solstice, and they felt like if they didn't worship the sun, that they would be uh, punished, like the sun wouldn't come up or they'd have bad weather. Of course. So when, they, when the environmentalists say that our bad behavior, our immoral behavior leads to climate change, God is punishing us. It reminds me of like the pagan rituals, like without, because the science thing, it, it, it is debatable. And, and if you do like think of it the other way that like warm is not really a problem. It could even be good. And even if that is your problem, carbon dioxide is really good because it makes plants and plants make oxygen and it's great. Mm -hmm. The whole thing, it does not bear scrutiny, even if you accept their data points as legit. No, no scrutiny at all. So I was looking at that website that I told you about with the white earth effects. And that guy has a very strange backstory. So I don't know what his real deal is, but I mean, it just stands to reason the white earth effect thing stands to reason. If the earth is covered with snow and not a single blade of grass can show, you're never going to have your earth will die because you require the sun and the plants to keep it alive. And I mean, I think that stands to reason regardless of this guy's backstory. There was something else he put up, which you can evaluate for good or bad. It's a very simple concept, doesn't require any science. But he said, why don't we take all of the, so the global warming creating hurricanes is the problem, right? Because the warm water makes it uh, hover and all that kind of stuff that we were talking about yesterday. He was saying, if you string together all, all the used tires in the world, like really cable them together, lash them together, and let the waves move them, the tires will, the way they will trap the water and move the water, they would actually churn up the cold water from the bottom and the warm water from the top, and they won't break apart because they can take that pressure. And that dovetailed to something I had been thinking. I always wanted Wait, to... Wait, let me ask you a question. Right. Yeah. He, he wants to populate the ocean yes. with used tires? Yes, and I thought that seems crazy, but have you ever seen the garbage islands? No. You've never seen the islands of garbage in the ocean? They're like miles oh, yeah. long of plastic, of plastic bottles, yeah. not plastic straws. But that's so I, I thought that seemed crazy too, and it probably would not do any favors to the coral reefs, but perhaps you could anchor it in a way. I don't know. But I was thinking that I've always thought this, and I've looked it up, and other people have thought it too, is that you could take like a gigantic, huge, giant propeller. And or like turbine or like a something with blades or I don't know, maybe a bunch of tires and hook a cable into it, throw it in the ocean. And as it churned, it would it would turn the cable and the, t the cable could be plugged into a turbine. So, you know, when like little kids toys, you turn them and they don't turn back. They kind of click forward and then you unwind them and they start. Yeah. Right. So it would just wind it up like that. Just the waves would just wind it up. And if it could also double as a way to churn up the warm and cold. However, I'm not sure you really want to do that. Like, I'm not sure we want to start messing with the oceans. I'm just saying you could do this stuff, I guess. It sounds like you're suggesting a giant wind-up toy made of used tires as a solution <laughs> to climate change. 
I could run on the Democrat ticket with that, an idea like that, the, as long as it cost a trillion dollars. Bernie Sanders would lose <laughs> his mind. She wants to put tires in the ocean. I'm not sure it would cause enough. I'm not sure it would cost enough. Actually, I'm really mad at used tires, though, because there's this like nationwide epidemic of tinier mosquitoes, like ankle-biting mosquitoes, 80s, mosquito, A-E-D-E-S. I'm not sure if, they, if they've made it to Georgia, but... There are plenty of mosquitoes in Georgia, and making it worse is not a good idea. But they entered; they can live anywhere. They can like live in Arizona and stuff. They, anywhere uh, that they brought them in in a shipment of used tires into Houston from Japan. And I'm thinking because they can live in like tiny; they, their eggs can live in tiny specks of water. Yeah, I'm thinking why are we importing used tires from Japan? Does not the United States have enough used? Tires? Yeah, do we need to get that from another country? <laughs> Something wrong with our policy, if that makes economic sense. So, now back to Earth with something more concrete, Brexit, which we talked about yesterday. The House of Commons dealt blows to Boris Johnson in two ways. One, as we discussed, by voting. Now, this is just the House of Commons. It still has to get through the House of Lords. So they dealt him a couple of blows. One, they said he, they asked for, they want him to ask for a three month extension on Brexit so that they won't crash out on October 31st. And they also said no to the snap election he wanted for October 15th. So he had taken the preemptive and highly risky measure of asking the Queen to suspend Parliament for a month starting Monday. As if he was going to just strong arm. He has a minority government, I think, which means like, although they're the plurality, which means they have the most members that, so therefore their leadership takes control of the government. They're not a majority of the government, so they can't win these votes like straight out. So, so it's not like he comes from a position of great power. Maybe that was his strategy. I mean, I, I could not understand how it works. But the language, a whole article in the Wall Street Journal today was about how, (laughs) I'm not going to read all the quotes, but it was so reflective of what we hear about. So apparently Johnson expelled 24 Tory, 21 Tory rebels from the conservative party. Now the Tory rebels are the never Trumpers of England. They're not for Brexit. They don't like Boris Johnson. So then all the like old time, one of them was the grandson of Winston Churchill. I saw and that. They, yeah. And they, and they, they're saying like so many fine members of, oh, so many fine members of the Tory party have been purged. Are le- and so this is just like how all these Republicans are leaving. And I was going to talk about this yesterday. They're, they, and I was reading an article on CNN, like giving you these reasons why they're all leaving. And, Brett Baer on Fox used the exact same language today. It was like an Conan O'Brien spoof where they were just using the same talking points. And I was a little put off because one of the guys who sparked this latest round of articles about that is Sean Duffy, whose wife I think is a TV anchor person. Anchor woman, I think, is the correct grammar. She is pregnant with their ninth child, and she's like 48. And he said the child has, among other things, heart problems, and he's like going to take a step back. Uh And I'm assuming the kid has Down syndrome. As a mother of a child with Down syndrome, 
heart problems is a prominent thing. Mother's age has a lot to do with it. Father's age might too. So I thought that was a little, he's the only one who seems to me to have an actual legitimate reason because she is the, probably the moneymaker. This kid's probably really, I mean, you really need to tend to these kids for years. You want to have somebody stay home. So they kind of like acted like that was the reason. And they said, you know, his reasons might be legitimate, but everybody else's are these political things, which are that being in the minority is bad. The Trump is mean, (laughs) you know, bad for the GOP. The demographics mean they're going to lose anyway. I don't know if I buy that. I think, I don't know if there's this vast a conspiracy, but if there were, I think the purpose would be to get the legislative bodies Democrat so that they can pass all their baloney and then blame it all on Trump, who will sign it all. And then these other Republicans will say, don't blame Republicans. Don't blame me. Don't blame good Republicans. The Democrats passed it all and Trump was not a good Republican, which is why I quit. So they'll get all these policies they want, but they won't have an Obama to draw fire. They will have Trump to quench the fire, quench the fire of the people who would otherwise defend things like free market economics. So, oh, but there was a couple of, there was uh, one other thing about the Brexit issue. So the one guy said that they're purging all these good people as the party lurches to the right. Did it say lurches? Yeah. Maybe. I don't think so. I, I don't know. Curious. I curious. Mean, that sounds like something they would say. No, he said purged. Mm. Purged was a word that I have in quotes here, but not lurches. Well, I don't even have lurches written down. I just have a bullet, so maybe. So the other thing that it said, so there it says that stuff. The one time I don't have the quote. There it says that, and then later on in the article it says, that the party has become a single-issue party, Brexit. Now, those are two kind of contradictory things because, I mean, maybe not now, but that's not a historical, like, right-left thing, and that's the parallel issue to our immigration, which also is not historically a right-left thing the way it is painted. So they say that Trump is moving the party to the right. He's definitely not. That's None of his issues are right, are extreme conservatism or anything like that. Immigration is a thing of the left, only newly. It used to be immigration was good to bring, to increase productivity, which is a right thing. Whereas the left wanted to protect labor, so they did not want immigration. So to say that Brexit, which is a similar issue and used in a similar way, is the classic left-right divide is wrong, and it contradicts what's in that article in itself. So I don't know. I mean, I think it'll be interesting to see how Brexit plays out because the parallels might inform us the way you were saying the Hong Kong protests are kind of a template for you're an example for the rest of the world. I feel like we can keep our eyes open on this Brexit. It'll be even more interesting to see how it plays out if we apply it to what to expect in our future. The single issue party thing, it could be argued that the Democrats are trying to, or the progressives are trying to make the Democratic Party a climate change, a single issue party, because they rope every other issue into the idea of climate change. Climate change, in some way or another, according to them, affects every other issue that they bring up. That also seems to bear resemblance to religion. 
feels like. Yes, it's totally a religion the way they have. I mean, we played those clips yesterday on the deep yes. dive of the propaganda report of the UN activists talking about climate change. And basically, there's no question about it. You have to glue yourself to the side of a building to get climate change stuff enacted to fight this threat. Were, were there any – was there anybody crying about it? Not during the panel, but right. – Oh, wait. There's no, there was. Crying. Actually – Yeah, I feel like – No, no. You're right. There was a clip. I didn't play it, but one of these, these women, these activists, was crying while she was talking at the Chatham House yesterday about climate change. I did not know that, but I was listening to the news today, and they were playing somebody – I'm sure it was someone who was touched by tragedy or claims to have been – I don't know. I'm I'm sure this person was touched by tragedy. But she was crying and talking about San Francisco, uh, the NRA. She was throwing the NRA under the bus. And the story was San Francisco branded the NRA as a domestic terrorism organization or called for it to be branded that way. Now, this is very dangerous. And this is why I don't believe in the death penalty anymore because – Although I don't think it is immoral to use the death penalty as a punishment for murder, treason is a capital crime. And if your government is a pathocracy where fighting for your rights is considered terrorism or treason, they can really kill people who are out of, who are just there to defend our rights. And and the whole gun thing kind of flowed from there. So I want to tell you a little bit more about if you're interested in the uh, what I was hearing as that conversation continued. So they were talking about it on Outnumbered, which I was listening to in my car. So I don't really always know who's talking, but I think I did know who was talking. I think it was Harris Faulkner and a guy they call Tyrus, just plain Tyrus, who I had to look up because I wanted his name. Oh, Tyrus from The Five on Fox. Is he on The Five? Yeah, I know who you're talking. Big guy. A huge. Yeah, he's 6'7". Yeah. He was a wrestler. His real name is George Murdoch. Not the five. He's on the Greg Gutfield on show. PC. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. He got suspended, I think, for sexual harassment. I just Googled the guy because I didn't. I wanted to make sure I knew who their guest was, but I guess it was just a regular Fox contributor. And he was a little histrionic. As soon as he said, I'm not giving up my guns. I'm a black man in America. Are you kidding me? And I thought, that is just not exactly what a conservative black guy would say. Like, I've just... It seemed like he was looking for the drama rather than being like a gun rights activist. Yeah, yeah. Which don't usually bring race into it because it's it's the absolute antithesis of the issue. Yeah. It's about everybody having their individual rights. But that's not what I want to address. I'm just saying he was he made some good points, and I hate to always bring – I don't always bring racism. I hate it when race becomes an um, an issue, which is he brought it in, and I just don't – his other thought was actually much more to the point, and I liked it, and this is why I pursued what he was saying. He said, if they have the guns, if my government has X kind of gun, that's the kind of gun I need. So, like, that's what I have coined resistance-grade weaponry, and it's right. So – He said, you don't want to have a situation like Venezuela. So Harris Faulkner, who I really do like uh, normally, she said, oh, now you're sounding like a conspiracy theorist. Let's move along. And I was appalled, appalled 
that she would say that for this reason. The Second Amendment is a response to the fact that England abused its power over the United States and our response to that abuse, it was to protect our response to that abuse, which was to take up arms against them. Mm-hmm. So the exact foundation of this country was based on the fact that that is not a conspiracy theory, but a historical fact. Right. Geraldo did jump in on the gun debate. He tweeted yesterday, he tweeted that AR-15 owners are a symptom of small penises. That was a Geraldo Rivera tweet yesterday out of Fox News, his gun opinion. So conspiracy theorists, 26,000 children in New York City are – they're facing a choice, and this choice is either get vaccinated, relent, or leave school. And the reason is because New York has eliminated the religious exemptions that many parents were getting their kids out of having to get vaccinated for. And not, not only that, you can't – it's all non-medical exemptions are gone. They have now have the strictest mandatory vaccine policy in the country in New York. But that's not even far enough. They're still trying to go further with it. They enacted or they presented emergency legislation to make it a lot harder to get medical exemptions. It already you cannot wow. get you cannot get an exemption if your child is handicapped, if your child is special needs or disabled, you are not allowed to have an exemption there. And they're they're trying to make it even harder because they want to get rid of they they want you out of school and they're going to push people to the homeschooling and then they'll eventually try to regulate that as well and this article talks about it details a story about a woman whose first child has autism and she believes it was caused by a vaccine and so she has not gotten her the rest of her children vaccinated and that would actually go to a vulnerability if right. that were true it, because my kids were not damaged by vaccines, but so many people. It was like when I couldn't do gluten anymore. I used to make fun of people for thinking that they had a gluten problem. I'm like, that's just ridiculous. It's in your head. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Is it not in your head? Like, when you know stuff, it's like, wow, yeah. is that crystal clear to me now that I'm living it? Yeah. So I don't I, – I, so many people have seen made that connection that and then you must consider i mean they even told me with down syndrome that my children were more at risk for being born with down syndrome and i said well what statistics bear that out i and they said well we just assume that if if you if you are prone to having kids with down syndrome you're prone to having kids with down syndrome yeah. so their their squishy science would also say hey man if you if you have a kid like this clearly there's a vulnerability there and if you see that connection the story that they tell illustrates what you were talking about a moment ago about there's no questioning this, that you have to accept it, you have to relent. It's They, they pit this woman against her children, that they're going to lose their friends, that other parents don't want these kids in class. That Sounds like climate change. Yeah, exactly. And they say these kids had – they didn't do anything wrong. It's their mom who was not letting them get vaccinated, and all these horrible things are going to happen to them because of this. But if everybody else is vaccinated – the chances of this one kid, it, the chances of harm to somebody else is is like next to nothing. Yeah. This is separating children from parents like we talked about on our show yesterday. Uh. It's another way of doing that. And they go, on to, they go on to detail all the pressures that this woman and these children are facing who are not vaccinated and people like them. It's fear-mongering, and it's saying you need to relent or you are going to be 
ostracized and isolated in society. And the article ends with the woman setting up. They said she finally gave in. She finally set up a date to get her kids vaccinated because there are no homeschooling options in her area. And she felt she had no other option. I wonder, and they'll never follow up on it if that kid does come up with autism. And they'll just say, well, your kids have autism. It had nothing exactly. to do with the vaccines. Yeah. And, and she doesn't have a cause of action. This is where the whole thing breaks down for me, is that companies are protected from... Companies are protected from being sued for harm that their vaccines do. That is just not the American way. And that, and when you suspend the common law remedies of consequences for actions, then you have to have statutes and regulations. And then you bring in French law, not English law. I am a, I'm a fan of common law. I do not like what is called prior restraint. I don't like them to say nobody can do anything in case something goes wrong. It's like if something goes wrong, you're going to jail forever. How about that? Yeah. The article is an extraordinary part of the article talked about how 25% of parents are skeptical about vaccinations. They have concerns about it. And then it did not go on to address any of those concerns. It did not say, here's why they're wrong. It did not give arguments defeating them. It simply said, we need to get them to stop feeling this way. We need to put these other messages in their head that you need to get vaccinated, that it is the right thing to do. It was all about forcing them to change their perspective despite what their despite their concerns. It wasn't about addressing any of their concerns. Oh, yes. Nice. It's terrible. It's emotional and terrorism. Even in some cases where they could actually address people's concerns, I have noticed, and we've talked about it before for years now, actually three years this week. Oh, that's right. This is our third anniversary of Propaganda Report. So we've been talking about for years that they that they could actually address things. They could prove it, but they won't. Uh-huh. What they say is, this is CNN. You're not CNN. Exactly. Therefore, stop questioning. Yeah. I had a Facebook thing I wanted to tell you about real quick that relates to that. There's a new dating app on Facebook. And they're going to be matching friends, so it's going to get real creepy, and they're going to have these secret crush options. But the interesting part of it to me is that you can put what kind of gender you're interested in, all the different types of gender. They have lists like eight or nine you can put, but it will not tell the people you're interested in what gender you are. And it will build profiles based on your based just like advertisements, just like they build these advertisements they show you. They be- decide what gender you are? Basically, it, I think the idea is that it's bigoted to be able to choose based on gender. How do you think that's going to fly? I don't know. I think it's going to get, get real all weird. Crying game on each other. <laughs> it's just this idea of forcing these progressive ideas onto people, regardless of what they want. That's and that is how they you really get kids because, and I think that too. Like uh, something happened recently where. It didn't allow, like, uh, was it finals clubs, clubs at Harvard? I remember women couldn't be a part of it. Yeah. Uh, There are a lot of clubs like that. And I remember thinking, you know, I was hurt by that. I had to go in the back door and they were just rude to me. And like somebody invited me to party, but it was like weird and yucky. And I just didn't like it. And in those clubs is where everybody kind of swapped jobs. So you couldn't get a job at your father's bank, but you could get a job at your friend's father's bank, and he could get a job at your father's bank. Yeah. And that's where they kind of got 
worked all that stuff out. And I thought, well, it's good that, you know, I, I wasn't thinking that there should be a law against or anything, but I was just like, it seems kind of uncool to do that. And it's kind of unthinkable for me that that's okay. But on the other hand, freedom of association, I, I would never, ever try to bar it. Yeah. But I, but I do think it's a little, uh, you know, so I'm just saying they, they try to make it so it, you realize that it's unthinkable to to make distinctions like that. Right. So I just think, well, guys should never think that it's all – it's just the guys. Like there should never be a guys club or a guys night, you know? Yeah. But why? There's girls nights. So there are reasons for it. Yeah. It can, you know. But I, I just – I wanted to talk about just this last thing that was on Fox with the gun rights – when Tyrus, Tyrus, so Tyrus is like, yay, Venezuela. You know, we don't want Venezuela. I'm like, yay, Tyrus. And he says, the Democrats have got to stop thinking about this stuff as, as being about gun control. It's about mental health. And this is the thing that's being printed everywhere, Wall Street Journal, stuff like that. Republicans prefer this Republican message is that it's about mental health and we need red flag laws, which is completely not something Republican voters want. It's clearly a scam that's being pushed down by Republicans, but it's such a clear a while ago, I realized that the shootings and the, the gun control gun rights dialectic, this is, I know I overuse that word or I use it often because that's how our, that is how the propaganda operates. So, this the gun one it occurred to me not that long ago that they're that this gun thing is not going to stop it's they're not going to resolve it they're not going to do away with it at the supreme court level nothing like that until they get out of it everything they can so gun rights versus gun activism gun rights activists versus gun control activists okay so that's the dialectic and what is the synthesis what is the the place where those two narratives result in a policy that's neither one nor the other. The red flag laws is one of them. So they're saying it's all about mental health, and then they use the gun stuff to do something that has nothing to do with guns. Rather, it's a even if they don't come and get your guns after the red flag laws, it doesn't even have to be about guns. What it is is they have you now on a mental health registry, and that can take away your right to fly. Yeah. It can take away anything. So they don't even have to come get the guns. That mental health thing is an absolute panacea or blanket way of labeling everyone and taking yeah. away rights, liberties, and protections without a jury trial. Now, that is a constitutional right that is actually, in my opinion, more important than the guns. A lot of these rights are more important than the guns. The guns are the last resort. Yeah. So if you preserve all the other – I'm not saying give, it, give up the Second Amendment. I'm just saying – don't stay. Don't compromise on the other ones in the name of preserving the second. Do not compromise. And then I realized that there are other dialectics that flow right out of that. You can think of it as like a family tree. Like there's all these little children that come right out of the mama and the papa, which is gun control and gun rights activism. And they also appeared in the Wall Street Journal today, which is there was a big article front page. It says the toxic online world where mass shooters thrive. I saw that. Yeah. And they talk about you've got it, it that combating that kind of speech is law enforcement's top priority. So you have surveillance and censorship wrapped in there. There's a no notoriety movement where they will report the crime, but not the name of the perp. So now you don't it doesn't even have to be a real person. You don't even have to deep fake it. You will never know. 
There will, that gives them an excuse to never have a public trial that will vet the facts of these stories. The government is knee-deep in stings and entrapment and everything else, plea bargains, coercion. The only way to vet that stuff is public trials, and you're never going to get that because of these movements. And there's, they are taking away privacy at like the school level. They want to – Trump called for not expunging youth records. So now you get to the point where you can't think or explore thoughts or question anything because your social media profile as a kid is going to be used to label you forever. Yeah. And I'll tell you, when I was a kid, I was raised in a very Catholic family. I love my dad. Many good things came out of it. But his idea was you may not question for a moment. You cannot miss mass a single Sunday because if you do, there's a good chance you're going to get hit by a truck and go to hell, yeah. even though you led an otherwise exemplary life. And I was like, look, as a kid, Dad, I have to think these things through without thinking it's just my way of wanting to sleep in on a Sunday. Like, I want to think these things through. And if they don't let you, that's going to cause psych issues beyond even the screen-induced psychosis that these poor kids are going through. So that's yeah. what, how the gun dialectic flows. All this stuff flows out from there. It's not going to go away until all the other rights are taken, and then you'll have no way to save that Second Amendment right anyway because you can't talk online. You can't talk to each other. You can't think. You won't even want it. You'll be so brainwashed. It's mass brainwashing. I wanted you to educate me on the inflation thing that you were talking about. <laughs> I did such a bad job on that yesterday. And here's the thing. My stock in trade is to take dry concepts, economic concepts, and make them easier to chew on. So you can think about it, enjoy it, apply it to your life in a simple way. So I was a little annoyed at myself because that's a very easy one, which I learned at my father's knee, he'd be like, inflation is theft, it's counterfeiting money, it's stealing from everybody just for the guy who gets it first. And so I decided I was going to do a little brushing up on my Mises and Rothbard and bring it back to you today. But I stumbled upon a 17-page econometric study that proves that that expansionary monetary policy increases wealth inequality, especially at the extremes. So it separates the very poor and the very rich by more. Yeah. And I'm going to absorb that and tap into that talent I try to cultivate of taking <laughs> 17 pages of econometrics and making you want to hear more. So that's what the propaganda report is for. I'm going to take a deep dive next Wednesday. You have to remind me. We have to get to that because I really want to take the propaganda report as a way to get a little deeper into the subjects that we only have time to touch on here on Drive Time Prop. Sounds exciting. I'm looking forward to it. And you guys can check out, we did a little deeper dive on brainwashing techniques and on the UN climate agenda yesterday, episode 183 of the Propaganda Report. And you can find your Drive Time Prop every afternoon at 4 p.m. on thepropreport.com or your favorite podcasting platform in the Propaganda Report feed. We will talk to you all tomorrow.